The long and winding road leads us here to the doorstep of the postseason. One win, a little bit of help away from ending 17 seasons of misery. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Now, how many quarterbacks have you ever seen hurdle anyone? Oops, he throws. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're listening to the Red, White and Buffalo Blues, a UK Bills podcast. Now, we're excited, you're excited. We have hit 50 episodes. I don't, didn't think we'd actually make it that much. And I think you fans would probably think they would have killed each other with all their arguing, their banter, their disagreements. But we've hit the 50 mark, halfway to 100 episodes, and I couldn't be more happier. I am Matt, and Alex is here with me. Alex, 50. I mean, sure, we we have friendly banter, but I mean, I can't imagine arguing. I mean, you should have heard me and my wife last night. That was an <laughs> argument. Um, I Look, I didn't want to clean the grill. It's it's dark out. Give me a br- Anyway, Um <laughs> Yeah, okay. I did it this friendly, morning though. Friendly so, disagreement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this has been uh, this is this has been fantastic. Um, you know, I posted just recently on Instagram saying about how like um, every day back in Buffalo, I was listening to sports radio talk, and I was like, that is an awesome job. I would love to do that. Now I know that we're not getting paid, but I'm still doing something that I love. Every episode is 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 hours of work preparation research uh and it's it hasn't gotten stale it hasn't felt like uh, it's been it hasn't been tedious uh I, i've enjoyed every second of it so far except for our first 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 episode which was like our introduction because i didn't have my my microphone turned on it was just the computer audio uh that was a train wreck uh don't listen to that start at episode two if you're gonna go back yeah i mean coming up on the show obviously me and alex will both be reflecting on the 50 episodes that we've actually done the highlights lowlights favorite episodes that sort of thing and also we've been building up from last episode and on twitter and on all social media we'll have interviews with the bills war famer steve tasker and bill's seventh round draft pick from 2008 wide receiver stevie johnson but i know you're witching for that but before that we're gonna go into the news because there's a bit in the news this uh this week and first of all we'll start off with um with sean mcdermott being nominated as um one of the candidates for coach of the year thoughts alex i mean it's it's an absolute honor to be able to say that we have a coach that we, you know, believe in. It, it it hasn't been since Marv that we've had a coach that's actually, like, unified, you know, the team and the fan base. Usually it's always been, like, the fans go to the games because it's a big party. But now the fans are going to the game to watch football. Um, mm. it's, it's just, I mean, to be able to, I mean, it, it's not a modern style that we play yet we're still a running team and a good defense but 
it's translating to wins, so I'm not going to complain. I mean, not yeah. everybody can be the Chiefs, right? So, I mean, we're very much in the kin of the Niners, whom is another candidate for Coach of the Year, uh, Harbaugh. I'm not Harbaugh. Um, that's the Ravens guy. Shanahan. Uh, Shanahan, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think he's going to win, obviously, because there wasn't uh, you know, a playoff win. We kind of sputtered out at the end of the season there, but um, uh, we went from to, from nothing last year to something, and there's a core, and there's a future, and that's all thanks to Brendan Bean and Sean McDermott. Um, yeah. I, I, I can't see wanting to get rid of him for a while. I mean, unless no. this roster implodes and they can't, you know, uh, do surgery on it. Um, he, he's doing everything that we want our head coach to do going forward on yeah. fourth downs, fourth and fives going for it. Um, you know, stuff like that. It's been good. Um, I remember earlier in the year, we talked a little bit about clock management, but, um, you know, at the end of the season, it looked like he figured that stuff out. So that's the most important thing. Let yeah. me finish on this, a coach that's willing and I think we talked about this in one of the interviews with um, Steve Tasker, a coach that's willing to uh, learn and grow and change and work with what he has and uh, learn from the mistakes. That's what mm-hmm. we have. That's what makes a coach of the year candidate is someone who's willing to change. You know, we had Rex Ryan who said, we're going to do things my way, even though he didn't have the roster for it. You know, like, don't be a prideful idiot. Uh, be willing to know your shortcomings. And that's McDermott. And yeah. it's, it's just fantastic to see. And he yeah. deserves it. I mean, pick, quickly picking up on your point where you say that he shouldn't, he could, he should be here for a while. I mean, I've listened to a few, few other podcasts during the week. Um, and they were obviously saying that, yeah, uh, most coaches, head coaches get that three year, um, three year stretch. So they get that stretch where they, if they, especially if they come in with their own quarterback, they get three years to to do something. And if they're not, they're they're tossed out. Well, in the case of the Browns, it's you're the offensive coordinator. We give you a year as a head coach. Screw you. You're crap. Off you go. But with McDermott, even if, and this is a big if, Josh Allen ever flamed out, say in his third or fourth year, I still believe that. Pagula would keep both him and Brandon Bean on for what they've actually been able to build around around the um, around the talent, the culture, the atmosphere in the um, in the in the locker room. So I think that even if Alan flames out, which we we both believe he will not, and loads of people probably say he will not flame out, that you still get that chance where McDermott may get another crack and actually can, can grow a lot more, but you're right. He's he'd been nominated. I think, well, who's the other one? It's John Harbaugh, isn't it? The other one. The Harbaugh other candidate. from the Ravens, Harbaugh from the Ravens and Shanahan from the Niners. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he's got, he's got an outside chance, but you, you never know. I mean, obviously Shanahan's probably going to be the favorite from obviously taking the 49ers from, three or four wins last year to the potentially Super Bowl itself. But on yeah, that I mean, note, I, I have I have an argument with that, though, because last year his quarterback was hurt. OK, um, mm-hmm. that's why they sucked. 
they didn't have Garoppolo. They had some scrub in, and uh, they didn't win any games. Um, then they, you know, it, they 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 pulled a Colts where you know like we're one piece away. Let's tank. Then they get Bosa, and he's been unbelievable this year. And look at them; they're in the Super Bowl. But I mean, if they had Garoppolo all season last year, they'd probably go like ten and six or something. And he's just another guy this year. Um, <clears throat> So he's he's more a a circumstance choice, and he's probably going to win too. But I think in terms of doing something with less, it's McDermott. Yeah, yeah. Then again, uh, I mean, what what Harbaugh has done? Look at Harbaugh's legacy of you know going from a, a Flacco and then completely adjusting his team around Lamar Miller. I mean, uh, Lamar Jackson and making it work. And making it work really well, um, I would choose him over Shanahan. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it's all three coaches had their own way. Own, uh, I've got their reasons for being in there, and it's actually great that it actually it's actually expanding rather than you getting your normal guys again into the playoffs. But we'll move on because we got a couple more items to do. Yep, the stadium. Now, Roger Goodell came out and said that talks could go on about actually renovating the stadium. Obviously, the lease is up in 2023. What's, obviously, you being a, um, a Buffalonian from Buffalo, being to the stadium a few times, I'd like to hear your view on that one. Do you think it, the, the renovations will should be there to keep to keep the harmony, to keep the, the wow, not the wow factor, the X factor, obviously, of the elements, or would a new new stadium be what the Bills would need to take them on to a next level? See, I I don't <clears throat> this whole next level thing. The stadium needs to be competitive. The stadium doesn't need to be competitive. The team does. Um, mm. you know the 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 Raider. I mean, I know that the Raiders have moved, but I mean they played in a shithole. Uh, I've been to that stadium for a baseball game, and it's way worse than ours um they haven't had any renovations in years when pagula bought the bills um they put a lot of work into it and let me tell you i've been to games at you know rich stadium and it was god awful um there was just nothing there's no excitement there's no energy uh you know like in the concourse it was just blah and pagula mm. came in and sure it's just a paint job and a few extra you know like shops here and there and everything and i mean i think they put their money into the training facility uh which is where i would rather have the money go make sure yeah. that the product on the field is the the number one focus because yeah. i mean you have these teams that build these fantastic stadiums but then their football team sucks and it doesn't matter you know um if if the money is put up by Pagula, then go ahead and build this a new stadium, and I don't care where you put it. But if yeah. you're gonna raise taxes on Buffalo citizens in order to crowdfund essentially the stadium, um, I hate when billionaires do that, and that's all they want. They just want our money to build themselves a new playground, just like Jerry's World, and mm. it's just bullshit. Um, to me, and I think to most Buffalonians, um, the stadium is fine because that's kind of who we are. You know, yeah. we're not a big shiny glass box. We're a, I'll sit outside in its negative 10 
and it'll be fine because I have 12 beers in me and I don't <laughs> feel anything. Um, I mean, I've yeah. been to games in September and it's been amazing. And I've been to games in January and it's been fun. I can't say amazing because, <laughs> you know, at a certain point the cold does get to you. But I mean, don't don't build me a dome. We don't want that. Um, just it's fine to keep renovating it unless it's going to fall down. But, I mean, yeah. you have examples in baseball like Fenway and Wrigley that have been up forever. As long as you put money into it, it will stand, and it can still work. I mean, I've been to Fenway a bunch of times. The place is should be one of the wonders of the world. It is an amazingly beautiful stadium, uh, ballpark, and, uh, you know, I can't imagine them ever getting rid of it. Mm. Um, and I know that, you know, uh, newer field was only built, uh, you know, in the 60s, so it's a little bit, you know— less of an icon and more of just a, it's been there. But um, yeah, based on the money thing, it just doesn't, it's fine. Just leave it. And I've said that forever. Uh, If if it comes down to the bills leaving, then there needs to be a conversation about why they do this. And it's just billionaires wanting money for, it's just, you know, I hate it. Yeah. So, I mean, I would, I would have an opinion, but I've actually, I'm still waiting for my first time to go to Buffalo. So, I can't really have that much of an opinion, obviously. Don't go in January. <laughs> well, I would if we're in the uh, when we're in the playoffs year after year. I, okay, I but I mean, for me, it's always been week <laughs> seventeen home game for twenty bucks. Um, yeah, well, because they're six and ten. But um, yeah, uh, depends. So here, let's. I mean, we don't want to spend too much time on this, but let me just no. do a quick comparison. Um, the Emirates, the stadium yeah. for Arsenal. Uh, was just built within the last 10 years, right? Yep. Um, the outside of that stadium is beautiful. Uh, the concourse, uh, the hallways, it's just concrete and red paint. The uh, concessions, it's very simple. There's not really, uh, uh, I mean, I walked around the whole thing. Maybe I missed some stuff, but the inside of the actual stadium, it's just a skeleton, essentially. Yeah, where a lot of the money is put in is, you know, a lot of seating, a really nice roof and a really nice exterior that makes it look really nice. Um, in in America, the stadiums, the concourses, the the concession stands, uh, extracurricular activities for kids is a real big focus. And a lot of the stadiums really have that going on. And the Bill Stadium has a decent uh, does a decent job of that. Um, it's got this classic feel of, you know, uh, ramps and walkways instead of escalators. Um, so, I mean, I would even say that I prefer the Bill Stadium over the brand new uh, Emirates Stadium. Yeah. Uh, it's just, uh, it's just me probably being a homer and, and you know, my civic pride talking. But no, I, 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 I'd agree. Cause, I mean, the London Stadium, obviously, it was built mainly for the Olympics. West Ham took it over. Yeah, the, yeah. The yeah. I've I've been that. I mean you're the West Ham fan, right? I've been there for the baseball games. The Yankees yeah. and Red played last year. I was there. It's the same thing, just a basically a um concrete concourse, you know, with yeah. a few things here and there. But the outside is really nice. Yeah. So before we move on, before we get to the um to the interviews, is Super Bowl tomorrow? Well, today, whenever we get this um podcast out it's or brilliant. last week if you've actually uh, listening to it after the super bowl <laughs> so opinion 49ers or chiefs that's a really good question um because you're looking at a team in the niners that plays defense and runs the ball 
against the Chiefs, who can't play defense. Um, oh, they've gotten better. They were really bad last year. They've gotten a little bit better. But, man, can they chuck the ball around. But they have no running game. Mm. Um, the good thing is the Chiefs are built to come back from a deficit. But um, in order for them to sustain a lead, uh, they have to throw the ball because they're not going to pick up first downs running the ball. So yeah. it's going to be an interesting matchup as to where if the Chiefs get a lead, how do they hold it? Because if they throw the ball, they have a lot of opportunities to turn the ball over because the Niners' defense is so good. Mm. Um, uh, anything will be better than last year. So I'm yeah. going to say um, that just because the, the Niners are a more balanced team, I, I see them winning. But if they yeah. don't, it's going to be because of Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Uh, and if the Chiefs win, it's only going to be because of Patrick Mahomes. Mm. I think... I think with me, it's every time I pick what team's going to win, the other team ultimately ends up winning. So, well, who did, so, so, so tell me who you're going to pick, and I'll bet on the other team. <laughs> then, then put your money on um on Kansas. <laughs> but I, I, I think right. it's it, it's got to be the 49ers. I say they're the way they've now modeled that offense. Obviously, they've got they brought in um, Emmanuel Sanders, who's who's added another dimension. Debo Samuel's come along well. And you've got, what, Breeder and, um, is it Mossert? The um, the running backs, they've, they've got that balanced offense that could beat you yeah. anyway. And yes, the Chiefs have actually improved their run defense a little bit because they, they stopped Derrick Henry last mm-hmm. um, last time yeah. out. But I think it's, I think the 49ers with that defense and that, that balanced offense that so they can keep the Chiefs guessing will actually um will actually win the game. Well, in my opinion. So 49ers fans, if you do listen or people have put bets on the 49ers listening to us, I apologize if the Chiefs win. But my heart <laughs> is saying um 49ers will actually uh, will win that Super Bowl. All right. <laughs> well there it is. Put your bets down. <laughs> all on Kansas City but no I, I, I just for obviously Kansas City winning their first one in in 50 years would be nice for them but obviously with San Francisco winning it at times in the 80s and, and all that it'd be nice for Kansas to win it but I can't see past um San Francisco I mean, Andy Reid has put in a lot of work, and he's gotten there a bunch of times. He's lost a lot of playoff games. Um, he's a guy who's been good for a very long time, and he deserves one. Uh, I think that the Niners are built to last a little bit longer than the Chiefs. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd probably say I'd, I I would like it if the Chiefs won. But um, honestly, I'm just looking for an exciting game, especially yeah. an exciting quarter, because that's probably all I'm going to get through to. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm up. I'll be up for the whole uh, for the whole game. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Yeah, I'll probably I'll probably turn off during the um, halftime show. But then again, it's Jennifer Lopez and it's Shakira. My wife's really excited for that. And let me <laughs> tell you, um, uh, they're both. I mean, J Lo is she's eternal. Uh, yeah. You know, she's been around forever and she still looks uh, like she's, you know, in her 20s. Um, <clears throat> they're both fantastic performers. And I, I can't say that it won't be a, an entertaining show. It's just that's not my kind of music. Yeah. But um, 
it should be fun for the majority of the audience. Shakira is, you know, a worldwide phenomenon too. So I mean, uh, it, it should lie. really get a, it's going to get a lot of views on YouTube. I'll say that. Those hips don't lie. That's what I say. <laughs> that's my ringtone. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, let, let's let's move on. Let's get let's bring up our first um our first interview. I mean, before before we do that though, I just have one quick, really important question. Um, Go for it. Uh, so what are your thoughts on Brexit? Don't care. Okay, I'm kidding. No, go to the interview. <laughs> oh, I don't care either way. We, <laughs> go, we leave or stay, I don't care. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, our first interview is Bill's Wall of Famer, Steve Tasker. Now, it was a privilege to to actually interview him. We really enjoyed it. So here it is, us interviewing um, Steve Tasker. Enjoy. And joining us on our 50th episode, we have a Bills Wall of Famer and a special teams legend in Mr. Steve Tasker. Steve, thank you very, very much for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, well, obviously, we'll get we'll get straight into it. I mean, in in the UK, um, rugby is a lot popular than it is in the states. You did play a bit of rugby at um, Northwestern without ever playing it previously. Um, how did it, how did you come to the decision, and how much learning to play rugby influenced your abilities to play football? Well, it was interesting. I was playing football obviously a long time before I played rugby. I played rugby my last year, I guess in the UK you'd call it. I played it my last year of university, and um, mm. I played in about eight or ten matches. Um, the learning curve for me was very quick. Uh, because rugby is a much more simple game and a much more athletic game uh, and a much more uh, instinctive game uh, than football is in a lot of ways. And I picked it up pretty quickly. And uh, it was really, a, uh, I thought it was a real gift for me. I did it to stay in shape uh, before the NFL draft, to stay in shape for NFL scouts that were coming to Northwestern to check me out and test me to be, if I was... Uh, just to scout me to see if they could draft me into the NFL. Different scouts would come in at different times. And I played rugby really just as a way to stay in shape for those scouts who would come in to see me. And, uh, of course, you know, the conditioning required for rugby is really um, it's great. So um, it really helped me stay sharp for the NFL scouts that would come in Northwestern uh, looking to scout me for the NFL draft. Yeah. So um, have you seen – so uh, kind of staying on the topic of rugby, I mean, have you uh, s- uh, spent a lot of time watching, like, Christian Wade and uh, how he plays uh, ball? And, like, I mean, because he came from rugby. Uh, I mean, do you see that that made the transition for him easier? I think he certainly, for the running back position, it's perfect for him. It's probably the position in football that would translate the best, unless it was just a, as a kick returner. I think Christian would be a really good kick returner for, for the American football as well uh, because of the instincts, just catching the ball out of the air after it was punted uh, or kicked off and having a, you know, to play and the ability to play in space. The one thing that um, he did have to pick up on uh, which we saw a little bit of last year's preseason was the fact that he's in rugby. Of course, the ball is forward of everybody on your team in football. It's better to have men and your teammates in front of you so they can knock the other team out of the way. Uh, mm. That's legal in football. So he had to learn to run 
towards his own players rather than away from his own players and toward, you know, his, so it was a little bit of a different technique and a little different mindset that he still had to run through. But I'm sure now he has been practicing with the bills all through the, the current regular season and playoffs uh, as a practice squad player. So I'm sure he's getting used to uh, that, uh, that aspect of the game. And I'm sure it's going to help him in the coming preseason. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, we saw what he can what he can do from the from the first two preseason games. Obviously, his his rugby in, instincts actually really came in in the uh, Panthers game where he could follow follow his block on outside, but rather he cut back inside um, on right. there. But right, but it, his instincts are absolutely evident. I mean, when he has the ball in his hands, he knows what to do, and. Mm. Um, he his uh, ability to avoid tacklers, um, and I think it's probably pro- uh, another aspect to get for him to get used to was the fact that he was protected from blockers and uh, what by his own padding, um, mm-hmm. and you can uh, accept contact without getting you know having to worry about getting hurt uh, a little bit more readily than he can in rugby, and uh, so he's you know there's little subtleties of the game that are different. But the instincts with him and the ball in his hands are very much the same. Yeah. And you can see that easily. Yeah. So uh, something that uh, I had forgotten about, but in doing research for this interview, um, I, I, I very um, quickly remembered uh, your your final game. And I hope this doesn't uh, hurt at all, but <laughs> your final <laughs> game, you, you unfortunately get ejected. Uh, I'm sure that wasn't the game plan. Um so what do you do the rest of that game in Green Bay? And like, how did your teammates react to you in the locker room? <laughs> That's a gr- it was, <laughs> yeah, I got thrown out about five plays in. Like, I mean, some of the players hadn't even broken a sweat in, in the game <laughs> before uh, I got tossed. So uh, it happened really early in the game. Um, I inadvertently and without malice in intent, without malicious intent, I, I touched an official, which is a no-no. And, uh, um, for years afterward, the officials involved had always said it was a bad call. They shouldn't have made the call, but they did. And it, you know, once the flag hits the ground, it's too late. And um, I have no hard feelings about it. Just for the record, it's it's no problem with me. I, I understand. But anyway, after that, as I left the field, uh, I went to the locker room. And of course, the locker room is empty uh, because yeah. everybody's on the field. And <laughs> the locker room attendant, it was in Green Bay, Wisconsin with the Green Bay Packers. And I walked in and the locker room attendant who was a Packers guy and kind of leaned over the railing of the stairs as I came up and he asked me, he said, what did you, did you get thrown out? And I said, yeah, I did. He goes, Oh, what'd you do? And I said, you know, they didn't tell because at that time I, I honestly didn't know what I had done to get thrown out. I, I didn't realize I had touched an official. And, uh, I said, I, I don't know. He goes, Oh my gosh, come on up. Let's have a sandwich. You know, <laughs> so we did, I came up and he and I, you know, he made me a sandwich and we sat and watched the game on the smallest, smallest ever TV screen you've ever seen. It was like an eight inch TV screen. We watched the rest of the game. Uh, I was still, I was still, you know, had my gloves on to play. I was still in completely in uniform, had my you know eye black on the whole nine yards. And, <laughs> and, uh, it wasn't until after halftime that I went in and showered and got dressed and, uh, and, called it a day my my teammates i was really worried about what they would say after the game and i stood in the locker room and i was in you know i was all dressed in a coat and tie as a as is customary and and as the players came off the field the first one into the uh, locker room was a big offensive lineman named jerry ostrowski who's six foot three inches and weighs well over 300 pounds and 
And uh, his nickname was Knuckles because his arms were so long, he almost dragged the ground like an orangutan, right? So, <laughs> and I thought perhaps he'd stuff me into a, a garbage can that was handy. Um, but he came walking in and we had just gotten, and we had lost the game. So I knew that they were going to be upset. And so Jerry came walking into the locker room and walked in and saw me and, and kind of just walked by just in, in, in earnest, just because he was walking off the field. Then he remembered what happened to me. He'd stopped and he turned around and I thought, oh, here he comes. He's going to he's going to, you know, snap me in half. Um, he looked at me and he pointed at me. And he says, he said, you are the man. I want to go out just like you. <laughs> so he thought it, they thought it was the greatest stunt of all time to get thrown out of your last game as a professional football player. So it turned out that everybody thought it was a great idea, even though I had no desire to have it happen. Did did you actually did you actually tell him that you actually um you say with the um with the janitor actually uh, watching on a small TV and you enjoyed a lovely sandwich whilst they were grafting <laughs> on the pitch? Well, I didn't tell him right at that moment, but I it, you know we had yeah. all kinds of conversations on the flight home. I told him when I, and they you know they wanted to talk about everything uh, but the game that they just p- played in. So um, it was uh, it was a fun it was a fun flight home for me, even though it, <laughs> it was a sad after a sad loss, but. Uh, um, it was, it was a, the end of, the, of a long season and it was, uh, um, you know, it, we had a lot of laughs because I, they knew it was my last, last flight home. So it was a, it was kind of a nice celebration on that flight. Yeah. I mean, when, when you retired, are you leaving just coworkers or friends for life? And who do you, obviously other than probably Jim Kelly and that, who do you keep in touch with most from, from your playing days? Oh yeah, it's it's more of saying goodbye to a to a group of a family, and and the interesting thing about football, the rosters are so big. There are fifty three guys on the roster plus ten practice squad players, so there's sixty three guys on around the the, the uh, building all the time throughout the whole season. And you practice together, you work together, uh, you know, you dress together every day, you meet together, so it becomes a family. But every year there are new players on the team and it's a different, different team every year. So in that particular instance, those were the last guys I was ever going to play with. So there was a little bit of sadness there, no question, but I obviously keep in close contact with a lot of my old teammates. I have a text loop on my phone that I call it the five presidents. Uh, uh, it's uh, Jim Kelly, Bruce Smith, Thurman Thomas, Cornelius Bennett, Daryl Talley, Will Wolford, uh, myself, Chris Moore, Cornelius Bennett, uh, Daryl Talley, all these guys, uh, there's about eight of us on the text loop and we chime in, uh, well, virtually every day or two, uh, to touch base with each other and to keep tabs on each other. And that's been going on for quite some time. That's good. That's good. So it's really, it's almost like not giving up, um, not saying goodbye to friends, you're extending, extending the, uh, the family. So an extended family yeah. and such. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a, a an ever widening circle of guys that are included in a, a group that, uh, well, you know, you can imagine uh, when you play football together, you you celebrate the victories together, but you also you know feel feel pain together too. You you suffer through losses and and you watch mm. your friends you know suffer from injuries and and scrapes and bumps and bruises of every nature, um, and you hurt together. So it, it it creates a bond that's that's pretty special. Yeah, I mean, as you say players get in, players get injured all the time you're obviously a special teams legend as well obviously the nfl are trying to make the game um safer and obviously special teams play has always been their major focus and um potentially could see more changes 
Uh, how dangerous was it playing or is it playing special teams? And do you think the changes need to be made? Well, they have made the game safer. They changed the kickoff rules and uh, didn't allow running starts anymore. Um, they don't allow players to line up farther away from the ball than they than uh, than 10 or 15 yards. Uh, that has made an enormous difference. Um, they did studies about which players on kickoff and which plays in the game were responsible for the most injuries and and special teams became you know came out of the top of the list as being the most dangerous and and you can it's easy to see why i mean you've got a guy a pretty good athlete running fast uh down the field for 40 or 50 60 yards and and running into another player and neither one of those players is trying to avoid they're trying to hit each other um that's a lot of velocity and a lot of weight and a lot of size that that creates a lot of problems for the human body and that's that's where the injuries came from so they kind of minimized those uh and by doing so made the game much safer for guys who make their living like i used to yeah yeah so with the super bowl coming up this sunday um as we all know you've been there um kind of let's speak to like the mindset of a player um i always thought about like what goes through your head like the nights leading up to the game i mean and also like being there consecutively, uh, did like superstition ever like get to you for like the third or fourth time? <laughs> well, uh, it started to on the second time, but once you try it every different way, you go four times in a row, you kind of tried everything and none of it seems yeah. to work for us. Right. So, um, I think the mindset for most of the players is that, um, they become frustrated with the fact that the game becomes almost a secondary concern for most of the people in the city. Uh, they're there for the nightlife and mm. the events that lead up to the game. Uh, they're there for the pageantry of the game. Um, the game is the schedule of the game is really, really frustrating for players. Uh, first of all, you get to the city on a Monday. Uh, usually you play the game the next day because uh, everybody arrives on Saturdays. And then you play the game on Sunday afternoon in most of the games in the regular season. Uh, and this one, you arrive Monday and you start and you practice and you have media obligations, which are which are mandatory and extensive. And by the time Wednesday or Thursday roll around, you've used up most of the normal energy that you have before the game is played on Sunday. So you've got three or four days left on your body clock before you actually even play. And the frustration starts to set in of just marking time before the game actually happens. The, the game plans and the preparation were really put in last week while they were still in their home facilities. And then this week, they just it's more honing and polishing uh, of the game plan and getting ready and, and just doing uh, more and more of the same kind of preparation. Uh, it's just kind of a repeat game plan week after week this week because you've, you've, you've already got it in and ready and there's nothing to practice again. Uh, so it really becomes tedious and it becomes a waiting game. And it's really highly frustrating for players who are so used to a week to week to week routine. Um, and then even on game day, the game is at a very, very weird kickoff time. It's 640 um, in the afternoon. That's weird. Yeah. And it's and it's very strange, uh, strange kickoff time for guys. Um, you, you end up wondering how long it's going to take for the game to, to be played. You're you're the daily routine is, is anything but routine. So everything feels a little bit different and strange on Super Bowl Sunday. There's a long, long window of warmups before the game. There's all kinds of people that are in the way of game warmup. 
And then, of course, halftime is is double what it is for a normal game. It's a 25 minute halftime, which usually it's 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of these things conspire to make it feel like anything but a football game. And it's really difficult to overcome that mentally for players. Yeah, I think I think also with with us in in the UK, it's obviously it's pretty much a midnight kickoff, so some of us won't even be in bed till about four, five a.m. in the morning. Right. <laughs> we always hope that people get the um get the time off the next day for work, or there'll be a lot of people sleeping at their uh, sleeping at their jobs. Exactly. Yeah, it's a yeah, really I, it's it's a strange kickoff time, and it it really yeah. makes for a chain reaction of events. I imagine I'll only make it past the first quarter, but uh, you know, we'll see. Um, <laughs> so, uh, um, I'm sure you've heard the news from the Pro Bowl uh, as Buffalo as a destination again, uh, regardless of how uh, the team looks on the national media. Like there's an upswing. Uh, it seems like it's the same kind of thing every offseason. Uh, I mean, LaShawn McCoy had good things to say. Then other players had said that they would avoid Buffalo at all costs. I mean, I think I understand why, as a Buffalonian, uh, visiting players probably only really see Orchard Park in the airport. But for fans in the U.K. who might not have been to Buffalo yet, I mean, the the, pl- the players that are saying bad things about Buffalo, I mean, what are they getting wrong about the city? Because you, you stayed there, right? Oh yeah, I my I my wife and I've made our home here. We've yeah. been here uh, almost permanent, well permanently for since 1986. Uh, so um, all five of our children were born here in Buffalo. So yeah, we <laughs> we've been extremely happy here in this city, and it's been wonderful for us. I I think what people uh, don't get about the city is um, certainly um, the wet. We get four hard seasons here. We get a nice white winter. Uh, we get a beautiful, spectacular autumn. Uh, the summers are spectacular as well. Uh, the only the only real season that local people don't like, it's not the winter that we don't like. It's the spring where it turns kind of a gray, muddy, rainy season of about 38 degrees Fahrenheit, yeah. you know, and that's kind of hard to take. And people will take their vacations at that time. But the weather really here in Buffalo, you, you, you kind of put your arms around and embrace it. Um, the favorite season here in Buffalo is always the next one. And, um, <laughs> and it's, it's very expectant for a lot of people. It's great because every uh, because of the of where it sits and the, and the, uh, the, the calendar and, and the things that happen here locally here in Buffalo, uh, there's always a great festival or something going on that draws people out of outdoors. And, uh, it's uh, for us, the people make it great. Um, the, the climate is, uh, is a plus, not a minus. And, uh, we have, uh, we've been really happy, uh, here in Buffalo. And I think a lot of people miss the size of the city makes it in, uh, makes it intimate, uh, makes it very familiar for most of us. Um, you can't meet somebody on the street that maybe you don't have common friends. So it's hmm. really, it's a small city. In that respect, uh, it's got great restaurants, great food, uh, and it has a lot to offer. It's been it's a it's been wonderful for us to live here, and I think a lot of the people who are here locally uh, feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's obviously the, all the free agents and all the other visiting players. Obviously, with us and the current state of the Buffalo Bills, um, obviously being part of a successful ro- a roster for last last for years, Super era, what would the current, or what is the current Bills roster missing that will help them take the next step? And what can make the Bills, what can the 
Bills add to make them favorites for, for playoff games? Well, there's always one com. There's two common ingredients for every team that is successful. Uh, one is a great coaching staff and two great players. And mm. if you want to go further into the playoffs, uh, get better players and have a coaching staff that is interested in themselves getting better. Uh, and that's what the Bills have got here. Certainly, they'll be able to add some new players. Like I said earlier, there's always new players on every team. And uh, the Bills, uh, with, uh, with the budget that they earn, they, they have plenty of money to spend on new players this offseason, on free agents. Uh, they'll be able to bring in some, some great players. And the thought is always to bring in better players. If they can do that uh, with this coaching staff, um, they're not very far away. It won't take a bunch of new players. Uh, it may take a handful. Uh, but uh, <clears> if <throat> they can do that, they're going to be even more difficult to beat than they were this year. And this year they were a headache for every opponent they faced. Yeah, you've got the you've got the camaraderie as well. I mean, obviously, you guys were that close in in the Super Bowl eras that helped quite a lot. And obviously, we can see some of that now with all the interactions each each player had with each other, not just on the field, off the field, but also on social media when they're laughing, laughing joke. So that's obviously a great, a great yeah, building it's, block. It's been part of the culture that Sean McDermott has instilled. Um, here they are a very close-knit group and they they work at it uh, it's not just something they take for granted um, the the coach they look for players with what Mc, Sean McDermott calls the right DNA uh, mm. players who are interested in mel- helping other of their teammates get better uh, and when you've got a, a room full of players who are unselfish and interested in their teammates playing better um, it makes for it elevates the entire organization, and I think that's the culture yeah. that they've instilled here. And I think that's one of the, I think that's one of the biggest selling points about this uh, team and this city as a destination for free agent football players is is the atmosphere of the place you actually go and work every day. I think it's stellar, and I think um, that word has started to um, get around for players who are who are looking for a place to play football. Um, Buffalo has become a really fun place to work, a great organization to work for. Yeah, I think it. I think it's something that that obviously it help. It helps quite a lot, and and long. Let's hope that we can uh, get up there and uh, and actually win a couple of playoff games. Yeah, that would. That's the next step. You know, to go deep into the playoffs and um, go all the way to the Super Bowl. That's the goal, and they. They yeah. seem to be moving in that direction. Um, I know this, though. The next step um, is just as difficult as the first steps were. So it's it's there's no guarantees, but uh, uh, but they seem to be doing all the right things. Yeah. One one last thing is just a quick. Um, it's just a bit of fun. This one is just uh, how well do you know your teammates uh, <laughs> from back in the day? We've got a list of five quick questions. And just want to know which teammate actually um, would fit that category. Okay. Here we go. Uh-oh. So we've got best trainer. Best trainer. Uh, now, by trainer, do you mean the medical staff or the weightlifting uh, staff? Um, or even players. Let's do players. Sorry. Your Ooh, teammate, best your players. players. Hardest trainer. Ooh, best trainer. Um, gosh, that's a hard one. I don't know. Probably Andre Reed. Okay. Worst trainer. The worst trainer? Yeah. <laughs> Jim Uh-oh. Kelly. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Did no. you say Jim Kelly? 
Uh, that was that was too easy. <laughs> the person that was last to the practice field. Bruce Smith. Oh man, you really want him to throw people under the bus here, don't you? Jeez. <laughs> hey, why not? <laughs> they're they're not listening. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say last uh, one of the practice field was Bruce. Yeah. Uh, it worked out for him, right? So. Yeah. 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 Exactly. The most likely to get in trouble with Marv. Um. I will say Daryl Talley. In, in what way did I mean? Would he would he like try and like uh, do things his own way, or was he like a practical jokester or something like no, that? No, he was. No, he was. I would say it's, uh, nobody really ever got in trouble with Marv. That was a hard one. The only time I ever saw Marv get uh, mad at guys was when uh, they got caught in traffic and were late one time, and that was Bruce and Daryl and Cornelius <laughs> all together. So oh, no. there's not much Marv. There's not much Marv to say. <laughs> they were gonna they were gonna play no matter what. Yeah. That's- I'm assuming he also had um, had words with uh, Thurman about the uh, the missing helmet as well. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, yeah, yeah. We all had words for Thurman. <laughs> and the last one is the um, the funniest teammate who made you laugh the most. Uh, I would. Oh, that's a good one. Um, that's a good one. Thurman Thomas was pretty funny. Uh, I got to tell you, he he had a great sense of humor. But I think you know what? Now that I think about it, I think it was James Lawson. Ooh. Ooh, oh, interesting. Booth. Yeah, James Lofton, he still to this day has a, fun, a great sense of humor. He was a real plus when we finally signed him to a contract and he came into our locker room. He was a great missing piece for us in his sense of humor. Perfect. Well, as this interview, Steve, has been amazing and it's absolute really, pleasure. really great <laughs> speaking to a legend like yourself. Well, guys, I'm flattered. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun for me. And, and uh, I thank you for uh, uh, holding up the Bills faithful over in the UK. I really appreciate it. We all do. We do. And if they do come over, whether it be this year or any others, we'll extend an invitation for you to come to one of the uh, one of the parties. That's great. Give me a VIP pass, though. Please. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm you'll I'll, I'm sure you'll be able to drink for free. Don't worry about that. <laughs> That's I'm all, all right, guys. So you're yeah. all right. All right, then. Cheers. Awesome. Thank you very much, Steve. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. And that was Bill's Wall of Famer, Steve Tasker. Brilliant interview. Enjoyed every second of it. So, Alex. Hopefully a future Hall of Famer. Um, I don't know of many players who have been named to seven all-pro teams and don't uh, don't get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I've, I've seen some guys talk about how, um, you know, uh, to the guys that are in there, it would be a slap in their face if special teams guys make it because it's not really one-third of the game. But the idea is, you know, you put guys in the Hall of Fame that have had an impact on the game and that has had a lasting impact. I mean, it's 2020. Tasker retired in, what, 97? 90, yeah. Um, 97. Yeah, 97. Uh, we're still talking about his legacy on the field. Um, that's Hall of Fame worthy to me. If you, if, if his, if his playing style, if his impact on the game is something that people talk about for generations, they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. And and on that note, I mean, should we be in the Hall of Fame for for our podcast? We've hit fifty. Yeah, Alex. and I think that I, I mean, clearly, podcast Hall of Fame for fifty episodes, hundred percent. So let's have let's have a reflection. We, okay. We, from 
April the 20th, I think it's just before the draft, I think we did it, April, first week of April, second week of April, April 21st was our very first episode. So we've got right. 50 in just under, or just over six months. So what what are your, inst- your reflections and of see was it meant not only to do this podcast, obviously do it with me, and I should provide the provide everything for these um for these UK fans. So I remember when I first moved over here, um, I tried to see if there was anywhere that I could like watch a Bills game with other Bills fans. Um, I came across the UK Bills group on Facebook, and the um the Twitter page, and um, I just remember you putting out a message saying, "Hey, we want to do a podcast," and I was like, "Well, if they're gonna do a podcast, I mean, it would be fun, but." I'm from Buffalo. I'm only going to be here for a few years. Why would they want to bother hearing me? It's like, it's not fair. It's not a UK podcast if this American idiot is talking the whole time. Um, I remember I messaged you something really silly because I was like nervous because I was like, it sounds fun, but what if I suck? And probably like, yeah, you do kind of suck, but hey, thanks for still listening. Um, <laughs> it's It's been an absolute honor to be able to discuss and and have people enjoy hearing what I have to say. Um, for the longest time back home, when I would get together with my friends, we would have spent hours talking and breaking down and analyzing the bills. And I know a lot of people do that, but I really pride myself on being, um, you know, impartial, uh, true to the facts and really having thought provoking conversations. Um, I don't ever want to do something that someone else has already done. So that's yeah. why when we talk about topics, I don't want to, oh, that's been done, that's been said, you know, this question's been asked. Um, I really like to look at things from the statistical point of view, uh, not just the emotional, but a little bit of both, a good balance. Um, like I said at the beginning of the show, I've had every uh, every show, I've been excited and ready to do it. I haven't half-assed any episode. Um, people see me at work jotting down notes and ideas. Yeah. Uh, to bring to the show instead of working, you know, so sorry, but, um, you know, this is to, to me, this has been, you know, pretty important. Um, yeah, we were watching, have you watched, uh, on Netflix, uh, the good place with Kristen Bell? No, I haven't. Okay. It's a fantastic show. It's run for five seasons, four or five seasons. It's a philosophy, um, philosophical comedy. Uh, You're turning into it, me. Can't do your words. <laughs> oh man. Um, no, it's so it, it it's it, it's about what happens when you die and everything like that. And I was in reflection of the series finale last night. Um, I was thinking I've done something for my Buffalo Bills that will live in the ether forever. Mm. Uh, and that's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm gonna have. Albeit remarkably, remarkably small, but somewhat of a legacy. Uh, and I owe it all to the Bills, and I owe it all to you for organizing and putting this together. Um, mm. Everything that we've done, you have been a go-getter. You have been on point. You have been every day talking about let's do this, let's do that, let's build it. How do we get more people um, reaching out, putting money into this, putting money into that? Um, so, uh, thank you, Matt, for, for having me. Um, this has been, uh, an honor and it's been one hell of a ride for 50 episodes so far. Yeah. I mean, 
this this was actually before before we actually did the first episode this was like a year or so in the making i think i think i will admit that a year before we did the first episode i was there thinking right i really want to do this i really need to put it out there but i kept getting distracted with other things on there and obviously the the fan group itself trying to get that up and running on and sustaining that on twitter on facebook and all that but then just constantly listen to other uk um uk fan fan groups and their podcast really gave me the urge to do it and you know what i was like when i was when we first started we were getting like 20 30 odd plays every so often every episode and i was there thinking oh, well, i probably didn't i don't think i ever mentioned to you but i was in my own time actually thinking god we're only getting that is it with all the fans we've got is it is it worth it but yeah as you. as someone as people have said to me and i've spoken to other fan groups they said to me as long as you're enjoying it as long as you're having fun actually providing the content doing what you love the listenership will actually um will start to grow and i mean we've got we've been getting episodes of the last 10 episodes or so have been all above the 60 play mark the last last one bar or the two the last one two two episodes ago I think that beat the Jeff Reinbold interview we had. The Jeff Reinbold interview peaked at 82 plays. The one where we did the um, the off was it two weeks ago? Was the off season preview? Wasn't it? Or was that the one just after the, the, the season uh, review? The the season recap. Yeah. That, yeah. That one actually um, hit 93 plays. So the way it's gone up, the way it's been steady on there. The the Don't. first like ten that we did, I think our listenership was in like the twenty and thirties, and I started to think like, how long can we do this for until it like if it stops there, then it's almost not worth it. But um, over the months, it's been growing and growing, and I think um, it's 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 due to the bills. I mean, success mm. breeds interest, uh, and yeah. since our since our get together in London, I think we've had a real good consistent listenership. Uh, so credit out all to the UK Bills fans. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in uh, week after week. Um, we do this for you, and it's been great engaging with you on Twitter. Um, you know, I've had a lot new, a lot of new Twitter followers, and and we talk often, and it's been fantastic. Uh, and I hope to see a lot of you in the 2020 season. Yeah. So, so let's put it on there. So, your your favorite episode, if you have one. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Let's say uh, the Bills Bengals. Rev- I'm no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, my f- uh, probably the the first one where I put a crap ton of work into was the uh, the Josh Allen kind of um, show that we did in June, Episode where I really six. really went nuts and broke it down. Um, yeah, I uh, yeah. That was um, it's the first one that I have like very very detailed notes on, uh, in stats and I mean that was like a passion project for me and since then I've been able to incorporate a little bit of that into almost every show, uh, and um, yeah it's just been wildly fun so that was my favorite. What about yours? Well, that was that was episode six your one so if anyone yep. wants to yeah. go back and listen to it episode six, <laughs> get a plug get get more yep. listeners yep. to that episode. <laughs> 
me, I think, I think really it was the um, is the episode we had with um, or the interviews mainly the one especially with um, Juwan Foggy. Juwan Foggy think, was great. I think that one was was just the epitome. It was probably my favourite because we've actually made we managed to get a player that Bill signed to give us insight into what's happened, his whole um, his whole progress. And obviously his his aims and his views on on the bills. So that was probably my ultimate favourite, and that one was mm-hmm. actually episode episode four when we reviewed it. But I think for me, really, other than that, all of them are. But if I had to pick an if I had to pick one out and out, it would be this one, this one, and yeah. the one that we actually um, interviewed Jeff Reinbold. Yeah, he had a lot of really good insight, really good stories. So that guy, that guy, that guy's been all over uh, the game of football, and he's he's got a lot to say. Yeah, so it would have to be those two, and obviously, and obviously this one. So let's uh, shall we bring on the uh, the second interview? Yeah, let's bring on the main event. Let's bring him on. Let's bring in the interview we've had um, with uh, with Stevie Johnson. Uh, Enjoy it. We had a lot of fun. So here we go. Here we go. And now we are joined on our 50th episode by Stevie Johnson, wide receiver picked around seven at number 224. Finished his Bills career with 3,832 yards and 28 touchdowns. Stevie, thank you very, very much for coming on and joining us. Yeah, it's good to be on. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Stevie, with the um, Super Bowl weekend right here, uh, just kind of see, um, just wondering, what's your plans for this weekend? Anything revolving around the game at all? Uh, actually, actually, you know, I'm gonna be chilling. I'm gonna be chilling at the house. Uh, maybe, maybe at my my kids have games. I'm not sure if we back to back with a doubleheader, but uh, I'm gonna try to get back in, in time to watch these Niners because that's where I'm from. You know, San Francisco. Yeah. You know, so I gotta represent for the home team at the, <laughs> at the right. end of the day. You know, but we'll spend the, we'll spend the first part of the days uh, at a at basketball game, and then um, and then we'll come back through with the fam and, and watch the Niners versus Chiefs. Who, yeah. who, y'all, yes. who y'all got? I, I was gonna I, I, sorry, I was gonna say uh, um, about your civic pride with San Francisco. I mean, you're probably biased, but like, how do you see this game going? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm definitely biased. So I'm gonna say the Niners would win. <laughs> However, you know, I'm always I'm 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 always into you know seeing some entertainment, you know, and yeah. I think that's that's pretty much what everybody's excited about is is the entertainment factor that that the both of these two teams bring, you know, when you when you, first I'm going to speak on the Chiefs with Mahomes doing things like like Steph Curry, you know what I'm saying? So people in San Francisco can really appreciate the mm-hmm. type of quarterback that that they'll be going up against, you know, is respect there. You know, he's innovating um, the, the quarterback position, I would say, rolling to the right, looking left, throwing right, you know what I'm saying? Side yeah. on, kind of how Brett Favre was doing, like more yeah. like swagger. With, yeah, you know, so so you can appreciate that. And then with this, the type of speed that they have, you know what I'm saying, when you speak in, obviously, Tyreek and going all the way down in that, in that receiver room to uh, to Sammy Watkins, who we know is a burner in one of mm-hmm. ours, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it, it, it's going to be a, a great game, but then when you look at the San Francisco 49ers, these guys, these guys went from what one? Did they win one game last year? Or, or 
zero. I think something it was like that. Yeah, only won four one or something. Yeah, yeah, I think they only won one game. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, it, one, was, it yeah. was terrible, you know. And 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 you know, here they go with an explosive, creative running game. Um, mm-hmm. Defense is finally coming to play. You know, it's you know, it's it's one of those it's one of those special games. I think we might see records being we might broken. Might be like over ninety, maybe. I, I, hopefully, we see over over eighty points. You know what I'm saying? Something crazy, but I mean these these defenses are pretty good, so I don't know if it's gonna go that high, but uh, it's gonna be something to look forward to, man. I'm looking forward to it. Just yeah. hopefully something better than last year's because last year's was a snooze fest. Um, you you mentioned uh, Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins, but uh, to look on the other side of the ball, uh, you know a lot about Richard Sherman. Um, you had one game against him with the Bills and one game with him against the Niners when he was in Seattle. Um, you put up yeah. eight for one fifteen and a touchdown on him, uh, but so and the next time you saw him when you were with the Niners, he had two picks. So uh, yeah. kind of how does how do the Chiefs match up against him? I mean, he's he was great when you played against him. He's great now. Uh, I mean, how do you see that going? Yeah, yeah you know, um, I, I think I think Sherman's gonna hold his hold his his side down. I think he's go he's gonna do his part because you know that's 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 what he does. You know, he's always somehow find a way to find a way to make a play, you know, and you can respect that about him. You know, he's he's there Um, when I played him in in when I was with Buffalo. Shoot, I I honestly didn't know who he was. I didn't I wasn't the type (laughs) of guy that really focused on. Yeah, I I didn't focus on other people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so it, it was like it was just like, okay. This guy who it's funny because so who do we have? We had a we had a quarterback who played with Seattle, and he was like, "Hey, Richard Tavares said Jackson. he said you ain't getting nothing today." Yeah, Tavares yeah. Jackson, you're right. Yeah, and, and he was like, "Yes, yeah, uh, Richard said you ain't getting nothing today." I was like, "Huh? Who? Oh, like I don't even talk trash <laughs> like that. Why is somebody talking?" Right? He was like, "Yeah, uh, 25." I was like, "Oh, yeah. okay, okay. We'll see. We'll see when we line up then." And um, you know, at that time, I was. I was pretty much like the number one target for, for uh, the Bills offense, you know what I'm saying? So yep. I had action to, to, to get more more plays and more opportunities. So, you know, what happened is what whatever happened that game. But, mm-hmm. you know, when I played them, when I was with San Francisco, see, there I, I was one, two. I probably was the fourth option, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it, it was just – it was like, uh, you know, you can't really say this is a one-on-one, you know what I mean? Right, right. Like n- not like you know when it was with me in Seattle, so I got more to speak on with that to tell his uh type of game that he has and and how uh, good of a corner he is. Um, in San Francisco, I just got to give him props because he had those two picks on us, and and one he got on me. It was it was underthrown. I'm gonna let you know that. So <laughs> he, he was beat again, and Cap just underthrew it, and he got the pick. So it was like okay, you can't you can't say nothing about that, but he shouldn't say nothing either. Right. But uh, you know he got he got the pick and they got the win, so I never really speak too much on on anything when when a team get the win. You never heard mm-hmm. me say anything about it in Seattle, how you know things I did to him. But you know they got the win. It was like a big win by them too. You know, so mm-hmm. just all fairness and competitive competitiveness. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's, it's all salute. You know, respect to to his game and his craft and all those DBs. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah, I mean obviously we got obviously Trey White. Obviously, Stephen Gilmore when right. he was, and all that. But it's it, it's one of those un, underrated positions that you've got to be skilled at, especially going up with guys like 
like you against Tyreek Hill, even against Metcalf nowadays. So exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. You can't you can't really give them though. You can't get you got to give them credit. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Because at the end of the day, a DB is is already at a losing position. They don't know yeah. where the play is. You know they they running backwards. So you know when they do when they do make those plays when the receiver's like why are you even why are you even celebrating right now that was a bad throw but they need that you know what I'm saying because <laughs> they don't know what's going on they got to feed off of anything and and one thing about Sherm though he he'll celebrate but he always getting he's in his position to to, to be able to celebrate you know what I'm saying so you got to respect it yeah I mean. I mean, going on onto your work, um, obviously outside of um, outside the NFL. Obviously, lately in in California, you've been spending a bit of time working with high school and college players. Um, have you had a chance to work with any or see any of the prospects that are going to come out in in 2020? Because obviously, we know that yeah, they yeah. have a need for wide receiver. Yeah, you know, I, I've I've actually had the opportunity to go back to my my alma mater, University of Kentucky, and you know, I did some work with with a he was a he's a quarterback this year, uh, Lynn Bowden. Ah, uh, yeah, and yeah. He, like, year before, yeah, year before he was wide receiver and a special special team um, ace. And I always I I feel like he's a guy who we who if we add him to the team, it'll help us out in in in, in ways as far as field position because yeah. his his instinct. The, I'm just talking about not on offense, but even just doing punt return or kick return. His instincts is is beyond, you know, and working out with him. You can tell some guys, you can tell they're good athletes, but then other guys, you can tell there's something more in them. Like they're doing this for something a little bit more than just football or making it to the NFL. You know, either they got a family or, or they came from poverty or something like that. And he's, he's one of those guys that I've seen something more in. So I just feel like whoever team he'll go to, would be big, but if if we were to give him in Buffalo, I think he he'd be real special because he'd have an opportunity to play now and show what he has. Yeah, more of a Swiss Swiss Army knife. He can line up in the backfield, line up exactly a wide receiver, and even if he if he works on it, can even throw a uh, throw a ball or two. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly, and, and, you know, and why not? Yeah, yeah. Why, I mean, if John not? Brown I mean, can do I, it, I, anyone actually, can do it. Yeah. yeah, exactly, and and then and then you gotta be you gotta be different. You know, my time in the league, I, I always you know I would make my moves up and stuff because you know I knew people couldn't guard it; they wasn't training for this type of stuff. And then I, I would see that now when I'm off, when I'm not playing, and I like meet these coaches and uh, all these different type of coaches from around the world, in high school to junior college, all the way up to the NFL, and and you see like like the difference in in some of these coaches, like. Most of them are coaching the same, you know, and they're teaching everybody the same. But then there's a few, I would name one, like Kevin Kelly. He's a high school coach, and he mm-hmm. does things totally different. You know what I'm saying? And and, and, and it works. It works, yeah. you know. And, um, you know, that's why I would just say with Lynn Bowden, it's something different. He played quarterback. He, obviously, he's not a quarterback, but he brings a different aspect to the to the game, to the uh, to the offense or to your special teams, and, and, and it's something that people aren't ready, I would say aren't ready for um, yeah. with that guy because he can, he obviously, like you said, he can catch it and mess around. It looks like it's a bubble screen, and then he's throwing it to the receiver down the field. You know what I'm saying? Like, teams aren't ready for that. But yeah, we got to do it more, implement that type of stuff, and he's a player that can do that. Yeah, I mean, everyone's obviously, all, all the pun, all the um, national media and all that are saying that Bills need that tool 
um, tall receiver, that big burly guy to go up the catch. But yeah. if you get guys like Lynn Bowden or even um, there was a name I just I was reading about this morning, um, the guy out of TCU, um, Jalen Regal. You get guys oh, like yeah, that. Oh yeah, yeah, he's he's dynamic. You get guys you, like people that. People don't say that. Yeah, people don't really say say those names. Excuse me, because it's not it's not the fancy one to choose. Everybody's not gonna say, oh yeah, yeah, I agree with that. You know what I'm saying? They they want to if, if you say get a tall receiver that can jump and go up, everybody's going to agree with that. And yeah, everybody would love to have that. But you know, you you really got to find the right. You got to have the right scouting uh, scouts mm. to go see that person and and do their homework on them. You know what I'm saying? Because those big receivers aren't always the best. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Some of them can't even run out routes. You know what I'm saying? Some can't can't get off the press. You know. But when you do find one that can and is explosive. And yeah, you definitely lucked up on that, and you got it. You got a baller, but you know, there's tons of tons of guys like like uh, TC and TCU and, and UK uh, athletes that's 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 talented. If you really just scout it, you know what I'm saying? They're yeah. not the popular opinion, but but they can play ball. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this year's wide receiver class, you've got the likes of the guys from the from the SEC, um, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Jefferson, um, Van Jefferson, all that. Obviously, you've mentioned the path yeah. that in the past that obviously the SEC is like the preferred uh, path for the NFL for the for the younger players. Mm-hmm. What is it about that conference you think that produces the best talent, not just a wide receiver, but like at any at any position? Because obviously, I believe Kentucky were yeah. SEC, weren't they? Yeah, that's a that's pretty that's pretty good. Um, a good conference, man, and, and it, it just all start with you know the big names from from past years, you know, and then championships, and then. You know, being able to play against uh, those coaches, most of those coaches came from like NFL uh, teams, so they use those those schemes and those defenses and offenses. So you know, a majority of those SEC teams are like that. And you know, you got players. It, it, it could be good and it could be bad. You know what I'm saying? Because um, I've seen plenty of players come out and and not excel, being from the yeah. SEC and. You know, but then I, I feel like there's there's benefits in it because you know it, I say it gets you ready. It's, it's a strong conference. Um, that, like I won't say the pressure because you don't really feel pre. I, I don't know if you really feel pressure. Um, no. But you know that there's a lot like as far as uh, the NFL aspect or the aura of it is is in that SEC. But you can you can definitely get it anywhere. You know what I'm saying? You can get your skills from any conference. I was just yeah. ble- I was blessed to go to Kentucky because uh, I love basketball, <laughs> so that was the only <laughs> reason that brought me there. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, was totally on the on the other spectrum of thoughts. Yeah, because obviously it's not just that. I mean, Lavishka Chenault, obviously uh, Colorado, not SEC, but still someone that mm-hmm. actually can get mentioned as as a fit to the Bills, and someone's played in a lesser conference, so we say to the TSEC. But anywhere you can go, as long as you've got the right, almost like you've got the right coaching, it always gives you gives that one good step, doesn't it? Indeed, and that's that's good that you brought up uh, coaching too, because that's a valuable part of it. That's how I've been, I've been traveling to these different teams and, and seeing athletes training with athletes, um, and and coaches are huge in this. They they play a huge role, you know, and that that's that can determine whether a player is actually a, a player that's able to play in the league. Um, is with those with those coaches and a lot of the NFL guys they end up going to smaller schools like I got a friend in um, in Utah at at Weber State I got another friend in at Southern Utah and and they've been in the league so they can 
send that wisdom, pass that wisdom down and show them, you know, the ins and outs. So you actually have those players like, oh, dang, where'd you go? Oh, you went there? How'd you, how you yeah. going like this? So come, you know what I'm saying? It's because of that, that coaching, you know what I'm saying? The, the wisdom that we gain and we go down and give it to the, to the future generations, whether you're in a big school or not. And that's really, that's, that's, that's where I'm at with it right now. You know, besides, you know, some other things. Mm. Gotcha. That's great. That's a really good way to look at it. Um, <clears throat> so uh, earlier uh, we had Steve Tasker, or uh, coming up we have Steve Tasker on, and uh, looking at uh, the Bills' um, draft picks, uh, you and him both uh, considered to be draft steals, uh, late round picks that flourished. Um, what did it take uh, for like a guy that gets drafted at that spot to to really like on day three to really make it? Like how how did you? Like, talk to me about, like, the work ethic, and, and is it more yeah. chance, or is it just all on you? Yeah, it's a little both. It's a little both. And remember what I was saying about Lynn Bowden? Like, there's some yeah. guys that, that play for something more than just making it to the NFL. You know what I'm saying? And as that is a hard task to get to the NFL, you know, we know it's, it's, it's possible. In our area, in our hoods, it's, it's possible. If you got athletic skills and you, and you stand out of trouble and you pass in grades, I mean, the NFL, should, it, should, it should be a guarantee, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much how it was with us. So we wasn't thinking um, too much, like, on the outside looking in. We was like, it's just going to be a matter of time. And then when I get there, you got you to gotta ball out. Um, but, but to answer your question, in my perspective, I, I had something more. You know, like, I had a family. I had a, I had a daughter coming into the game. I had, a, I had my wife. And um, I, was, I was 20 years old coming in or whatnot. And, and – it's like, okay, if you want to be able to have more kids, uh, if you want to want your kids to, you know, have a comfortable life or whatnot, not like how yours was, then, you know, you got to sacrifice. And yeah. that's one thing that brought me with to Lynn Bowden because he's, he's, he's playing for more. I don't mean to go back to that again, but he's playing for more. And that's how I was, you know what I'm saying, coming in, seventh round. So, it, it, yes, it was by chance because I had to wait. I mean, I played my first year, but – the second year I didn't play at all, but I wasn't frustrated. I didn't get mad at anything because was, I was just observing, learning the game. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't in a rush taking care. I was taking care of my body. I was T.O. came in my second year. Um, obviously, I wanted to play with him, but just being mm-hmm. in the room with him and listening and seeing how he moved was, was more than enough for me coming from San Francisco and yeah, um, watching him play there. And then, yeah, and then him coming to Buffalo was like, oh, that, that's – like it's a blessing, you know what I'm saying? Actually, um, not even tripping off of, you know, whether I'm playing or not. And, um, you know, then, you know, the work is always there. You, every day you got to show up. They make that, they make that known. And some guys, you just can't have pride. You can't be too prideful or too cool. That's what a lot, you know, that's a lot, what a lot of these kids I see now is it too cool. You know, like, oh, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Or just walking around like it's nothing. You know, like you got to have, a, you do got to have a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. You know, don't it's play, don't play too cool. And a lot of these kids, yeah, yeah, a lot of these kids are being too too cool about it. Thinking it's just given. So, That's so the advice, so. good insight. So the advice you'd give to any um to any youngster, any person that will go on like day three or even undrafted, just just work hard, focus, and be humble, and just taking as much yeah. knowledge as possible. Exactly. Yeah. Observe, observe things, um, observe your rookie. I mean, not rookies, but the veterans. Um, and then, you know, when you get on the field, show them why you're there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So uh, on, a, on a lighter note, um, since since you since you hung it up, uh, the NFL has relaxed their celebration rules. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've read in a few interviews there's a little bit of frustration on there, like the NFL owes you a little bit of money. But um, uh, <laughs> just just to see if there's anything in your bag of tricks, is there anything that you ever wanted to do that you kind of shied away from because of the uh, the rules? Uh, no, nah, I, I never shied away from any of the celebrations <laughs> I wanted to do because of the rules. I, I, but there was one that I wanted to do. I just didn't get in the end zone, so I couldn't <laughs> do it. Um, and I, I wanted to pull the get my phone out and and uh, and do like video selfie or something on the sideline mm-hmm. or, or with the fan after after a score. Or well, I wouldn't have it on the sideline. I mean, I didn't know how I would set it up in the end zone, but I would go to the sideline. I had my friend hold the phone. Um, he was a water boy, and um, <laughs> and he was holding the phone just ready for it. And I, I didn't get in the end zone at the time, and I was like. Ah, that would have been a good one. That would have been something new because I ended up seeing like years later, it was at the Pro Bowl and maybe it was Ty Gurley who they, they maybe he did something on the on the mm-hmm. sideline when he was doing something. But it was like, I was thinking of this years ago, like, yo, I'm going to do a selfie video. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. After yeah. the score, what, look at the score, this and that, what's up, real? what y'all thinking? <laughs> this and that, they posted out of there. And I would have gotten in trouble, but, you know, it's for the fun of it, getting the fans involved. I never... My celebrations was never ill, no ill intent, no ill will about it. Even you know when I did the guns with, with Plaxico, it, it may seem like it was an ill intent type of celebration, but honestly, I was shit. He 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 shot himself, and now he's back in the NFL playing healthy and everything. So yeah, I mean, what you yeah. mad at? Like this shit. Exactly, he survived. He's 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 scored. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Come on, yeah. it's fun now. <laughs> let's, let's play ball, and um. You know, but that wasn't nothing ill. Um, so the when I shot the gun, the musket, like like Patriots, right? That, I wasn't acting like I got gun stuff. I really, I was sitting down on the sideline talking with Donald Jones, and um, and they scored and like they shot the gun, and I got and I jumped like oh, <laughs> like okay, they want they they scaring me. I'm gonna show them what it's about, and then I ended up getting the end zone that time and did the musket shot and fell backwards. So it was just, you know, it was just fun, man. Yeah. They find me for every last one of them. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's all good though. Cause I know, I know the real ones who was, who was really watching football and understand that this is a hard game, but it's also entertainment at the end of the day. You know? Yeah. None of the fans they, ever, they, they appreciate it. So. Yeah. 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 I mean, just, just quickly going away from, from football for a moment, obviously I've listened to, bit of music you've actually done a bit released a few um few singles a while back um i think i've listened i Indeed. think i had them all burned on a um on a cd back, um, oh, back nice. at the time um obviously nice. cole beasley does um has done a bit of rapping would you two ever collaborate on a um on a single that was probably something that you know what here. man you know what you might you might have to do our intro here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Let, yeah, let's let's do it. I, I'll get I'll get the beat. Or he he probably knows some guys who can get instrumentals. And yeah, we can for sure make a make a space creator uh, single. I'm I'm with that. I haven't I haven't made put no music out in a minute. But I mean, if he down for it, then yeah, for sure. I I get in there and do that. We we can do that for the Bills Bills Mafia. Look for it. We'll see if we can try and get a hold of him and actually uh, and yeah, we're trying to get a hold of him. So we'll see if we can put something like that together. That'd be <laughs> that'd be unbelievable. Yeah, that would I, definitely yeah. be the intro to our be cool for Yeah, <laughs> right. We got Cole Beasley and Stevie Johnson. Then a beat drop. Come on, let's go, and we in there. Let's get, get it. Getting excited for I mean, it now. 
Yeah, we've got we've got to make it happen. Got to we'll, make it happen now. Yeah, we'll do a campaign for it to get it happening. <laughs> Just uh, yeah, I'm with it though. I'm with it. There's nothing to tell tell a story and you know create. Yeah. Just to finish off as well, it's a it's a little light-hearted, um, quick rapid-fire questions. Um, it's about your teammates, whether it have been the Bills, the 49ers, or the um, or the Chargers from your time. There's just five quick questions about um, okay. about your teammates. Yeah, let's get it. So the first one was, which one of your teammates was the best trainer? It was uh, Drayton Florence. He was the best trainer. Because with with my space creating skills, it, it was it was solidified through him. Uh, we would always work out, not work out, but we go at it with each other, back and forth, one on ones, whether it's team or seven on seven. And he would show me, like, okay, I know if I know you're going either here, here, here by lining up there. You know what I'm saying? So I would I would do different things. You know what I'm saying? And my body language would be different. And I I ask him questions like, yo, how did you know I was gonna break in on this? And, he would tell me, you know what I'm saying? So I would I would give that props to Drayton Florence because he uh he helped out with that space creating mentality. Uh this one caused a bit of controversy or I may have thrown Steve Tasker when we um under the bus on this one, but uh worst trainer. Uh oh. The worst trainer, the worst trainer we had like a worst player, let's see. It's okay to just say the kick. The kickers, <laughs> nah, because because Mo- Brian Mormon was he was he was a, a hell of a worker. Him and Ryan Lindell, they were they were really good workers. Um, well, Lindell, he was probably like maybe fifty two at the time when I was there. I was like, <laughs> he he looked like he could be the worst trainer, but but he was actually a, a hard working uh, kicker. You know, it's it's tough to it's tough to say who because not many people at that time was getting in trouble for you know being overweight. Um, or just being being lazy, you know. I, if they were, yeah, I didn't even notice that they were going already. Yeah, yeah, because they had, you know, they was on the team probably longer. This one, if you if you messing up, they probably have you out the, mm. within that next week. So, right. you know, I think go, the NFL go down. So, so who is the worst trainer then? Who was the worst oh, trainer? Still, you're still gonna make him answer it. Oh goodness, okay. <laughs> uh. Uh, well, let me think of the other two teams. <laughs> um, <laughs> what kicker? Uh, we had the worst trainer was was Marone, was Marone in, in Buffalo, because he okay. cause he didn't he didn't uh, come to me about no pay cut or nothing. He didn't come to me about <laughs> nothing. He just he just traded me, man. So I'm gonna say he was the, he was the worst. If I had to throw anybody under, it's gonna be a coach, not a not one of my brothers. <laughs> I like I I very much like that answer. I think the rest of Bills Mafia will yeah. agree with you there too. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Any 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 left the team deserves the team out of nowhere. So. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna put Marone there. Next one is the person that was the last to the training field. Well, I I, I would say it's it's tough. It's tough because so Fred Jackson he would be. He'll be the first one out there, and he will come. But he he'll come back in there to come wrestle and play with everybody else, <laughs> and then he eventually be the last one to come out there. But but he'd be in there, like literally, like boxing people, uh, wrestling. Like he was like a bully, not, not a bully, oh, in the no. sense of, but like bad guy though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just but he was. Oh, no. Yeah, he was the incredible. He was the incredible hawk. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. nobody was especially the rookies at the time like us when we was young uh, or the, the new guys 
Freddie was already a, a savvy vet uh, for the most part. He was he was like the same year as us, but he had a journey, you know. And um, yeah. he would make sure everybody was was straight and got together. So he would by default be the last one out because he's kicking everybody else out the locker room. <laughs> so yeah, Freddie's he's a special one. I appreciate it, dude though. Yeah. Um got two more. The next one is the most likely to have got in trouble. Most uh most likely got in trouble was, was my boy Keenan Allen. Uh he was a he was man, special dynamic player. Um he was an alien I'll just say he was a pure alien, man. He uh <laughs> For some reason, for some reason, he always got in trouble for being overweight, and I didn't understand That's weird, how they man. would still follow. Yeah, how would you still follow through and find this person who's every day at practice, he's doing everything, catching all this, going to game, catching passes, doing his thing, but then he'd probably be like two pounds overweight, which is ridiculous as a receiver, um, <laughs> and they'd find him for it. And yeah. like that was just it was it was uncalled for, but he always would get in trouble, man, for that. And I always be like, man, that that's, that don't make sense. But they'll they'll get it back to you when you got to, when you got his contract. So he ended up getting paid back. Mm-hmm. So that that's cool. <laughs> and but Keenan last... got in trouble a lot, man. <laughs> and the last one is your funniest teammate. My funniest teammate. Dang, how does man? There's so many dudes. <laughs> like, don't make it easy. When I like when I went to when I went to dude like all of like Keenan was real man. He Jacoby Jones was was another one that was from elsewhere. He came from uh, Baltimore, but he came to San Diego with us. He was so cool. Um, Michael Crabtree, he made things easy. Um, man, we had guys on that 49er team. Alden Smith was. He made things light, you know. Uh, uh, it was, it was, it's a lot of, it's a lot of them. Like Freddie's one of those guys too. Um, man, Josh Reed was good when I, when I, as a rookie, yeah. you know, he made things easy. Um, dang, there's so how, many guys how, though, man. How were you in the locker room? Were you a, were you a prankster in the locker room? No, I, I wasn't. I was trying. I was huh? really. I spent most of my time in Buffalo trying to avoid Freddie. Really, <laughs> 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 I was trying to avoid Freddie because I, I don't. I really don't like doing the uh, play fighting and stuff. You know where I, where I came from, we didn't really play fight. You know what I'm saying? You go fight, yeah. you go be. Something go happen and we gonna end up fighting. You feel me? So I'll try to be. I try to avoid him. I was in my locker, uh, just doing my thing over there with 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 the guys or in my area, you know. And uh, if I if I wanted to visit others, I, I would. But I was mostly I was mostly just quiet. You know what I'm saying? I was I was quiet, ready whenever they wanted to come talk or whatnot. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I, I I was just chill. Me and the receivers, me and DBs, I kick with all of them. Linemen, D linemen, linebackers, they was all my buddies. Um, yeah. but yeah, yeah, but I wasn't, I wasn't out there in the middle doing boxing <laughs> and slap fighting and wrestling, seeing who's the strongest. I already knew I wasn't the strongest, so I ain't about to sit there and challenge you, man. So it it was yeah. cool. It was, it was a fun experience though in all of those lockers from San Diego, San Francisco and in Buffalo. I missed the most when I was, uh, cause that, that was like a fa- it was like a family oriented locker, you know? Mm. Um, so that That's was, that really was pretty cool. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to press you for a specific um, funniest teammate because you say you've got um, you've got so many. Yeah, we'll take. Yeah, that. there's, there's, dude, there's a ton of characters, bro. There's a ton of characters <laughs> out there. No, uh, I mean, I mean, Stevie, thank you so much for taking um, taking some time out and actually um, and chatting to us. It's been a yeah, huge honor and pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very yeah. much. 
And hey, for sure. Would, thanks, thanks for having me on. We'd love to have you on again another time. Yeah, I'm all for it, man. Just, just hit me up. You know how I go. Awesome, perfect. Thank you very much once again, Stevie. Indeed. Thanks again, Please, guys. Take care, man. Talking Everybody to you. Everybody, be cool. Cheers. Yeah. Bye. Handle biz. Have fun. Cheers. And we're back after that great interview with Stevie Johnson. Thank you for insight into the wide receiver group, the game, his teammates. Um, it's just fantastic to be able to get an idea of what happens in players, you know, lives, the way they see the game, the way they play the game. Uh, so thank you to Steve uh, Tasker and thank you to Stevie Johnson for fantastic interviews on our 50th episode. Um, that pretty much wraps it for this. Matt, what do we have coming up? Coming up, we have... Uh, the next couple of weeks are going to be quite interesting next week we'll actually be having our um, off-season preview so we're talking draft picks free agencies and all that stuff with um, with our guest Matthew Fairburn then one thing, one for your diary get ready on Twitter straight away send it to emails and all that then the episode after we've got the fan mailbag so we want to hear all your hot takes, we want to hear all your questions doesn't matter what it's on for the bills whether it be draft picks what do you think we're going to do who do you want to sign whatever if not we, greg olson <laughs> and who do you want and how do you want to see josh allen or our views on josh allen our offense and all that and hopefully also on that episode we'll have an interview with bill's long snapper reed ferguson so Exciting times coming up. Obviously, we'll soon get into my favourite part, Alex's uh, least favourite part, <laughs> the uh, the draft, and it's all uh, it's all looking up as we start heading towards our um towards the hundredth episodes. So. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, man. Just on the draft, I mean, it's uh, forever. It's been, oh my God, can this guy fix the bills? But now it's like, hey. You know, we already have a good team. This guy's going to come in and make us better. So it's just like, uh, I don't, it's not all on the draft pick shoulders to be successful. Um, so now, I don't know. It's just a very interesting time. It's very yeah. uncharted territory right yeah. now. So, oh, also, uh, we also have coming up um, the, we're going to talk to uh, oh, Nick yes. Manning. Yeah. Oh, yes. The, 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 what we think is the original UK Bills backer. Um, he got things started years ago. Uh, we're going to talk to him about, you know, um, being like the guy over here, uh, and then moving over to Canada to get some, uh, season tickets. Uh, we'll talk to him about, you know, his fandom and what it means to be a Bills fan over here. So, uh, yeah, we have that coming up too. So check, listen, uh, look out for that. Yeah. That's one thing I did forget. It's, uh, it's kind of a. Kind of annoying. I actually forgot that, but uh, yes, That's right. That's Nick Manning, the original, the original UK Bills. Anyone that's listened, to their words originally on the NFL UK forum will have actually known of him. It'll be great to actually um, to talk to him and see what he actually um, see what he can give us and see how his life has actually uh, changed since moving over to Canada. So what I say now is for this time until that episode. It's uh, thank you for listening. Keep subscribing and reviewing to us. Let us um, let us know your thoughts. So keep listening. Keep subscribing. Have a good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening. And for the 50th time on this episode, on this uh, podcast.
podcast, we're going to say not go Bills 50 times, but just once. Go yeah, Bills oh my times God, 50. Just once. Yeah, <laughs> go Bills. Not us. Yeah, not, not us. us. You don't know anything about heart. Mm-hmm. You don't know anything about yeah. work. Yeah. Huh? That's who we are. Bills on three. One, two, three. Bills. Bills.